Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Claire Marquick, and this is Real Life Business. Hello and welcome to episode number 14 of the Real Life Business Podcast, the show where we talk about the real life stuff that goes on behind the scenes of running a business to unlock the keys to a sustainable, profitable operation that meets the needs of our lifestyle. Now, there's a quote that I love from the book E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber, and it goes, Great people create their lives actively while everyone else is created by their lives. Great people create their lives actively while everyone else is created by their lives. I love this because it reminds us that we have a choice. We can either react to whatever stuff life decides to throw our way and spend our time wishing, waiting and hoping that things are going to change or we can actively decide what it is that we want out of our life and steer every decision in that direction to make sure it happens. This week's guest is a great example of that philosophy. Annabelle Gonifas is the founder of Dizzle Sky Kitchen Club Membership and Coaching, where she supports her clients to achieve their healthy cooking and eating goals. She fell in love with cooking in her teens and loved the idea of making it her career, but had no idea how to cook. Unperturbed by that small detail, she set about seeking opportunities, allowing her to develop her passion. So let's join the conversation now with Annabelle sharing a bit more of her story and how it came to the creation of Dizzle Sky. Thank you, Claire. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. I'm super excited about it. So yes, my background is a bit of a funny one. I am, uh, I've been a chef, professional chef for 20 years, and I'm now a coach. So I'm now a chef and a coach, or I like to say coach first and then chef. So I fell in into cooking age kind of 18 my family had always been real foodies we'd grown up in Belgium and the States and just always surrounded by fresh food but I didn't know how to cook hadn't got a clue how to cook and I wanted to ski so I wanted to go off and do ski seasons and I thought okay I'll run like a chalet you have in Europe you have these chalets where you go and cook so that's what I had to go and do so prior to that I went and did a little cooking course I didn't really turn up all the time I was partying quite hard Um, (laughs) and I think I learned how to kind of chop an onion and that was about it Um, so then I went off to do my first ski season age 18 and I was cooking for 12 people day in day out with one day off a week and I didn't really know what I was doing to be fair the whole way through but what I did know is I really loved the feeling afterwards I loved um, the feeling of people sitting there satisfied by some kind of meal that I had created somehow (laughs) and I got paid for it and I was like this is this is really amazing. And at school, they'd always kind of said, you have to go and be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or everything was quite kind of static. And and that's what you were meant to go off and do. And I was like, wow, I can be creative. I'm naturally very creative and get paid for it. And I love food and I want to learn more about this. And I love the ski season. 
Win-win. So I then went, <laughs> win-win. So then I went off back to university, did lots of cooking at uni, uh, was constantly just provide. I was one of those annoying people where I'd be like, okay, we're going to have, I don't know, 10 people around for dinner and let's make it three courses. Just one of those annoying people. <laughs> oh, just for fun. Why not? Um, and then I went back to do ski seasons and I did that for 12 years. Um, in various kind of roles and I really wanted to find my way around the kitchen and I knew I didn't want to go back to cooking or chefing school but I knew I didn't I wasn't really that competent and so it was kind of learning on the job various places um and we also did a stint on a Scottish island which was uh eight miles long and two miles wide and somehow I totally blagged the job of head chef up there (laughs) and I mean totally blagged the job before that I'd been cooking for like 20 people and this was kind of up to 100 covers a night dealing with uh, local suppliers and when the storms came in I don't know if you can imagine it in Australia but it's this tiny weeny island off the west coast of Scotland and when the storms came in there you couldn't get supplies you were I was kind of running around the island knocking on doors going can I have five onions and going into people's veggie patches and stuff and still having to produce food so it's that real spontaneity and improvisation and learning on the job and we had hotel guests as well there so you had to change your menus all the time mm-hmm. so every day was a different uh different menu and it also really taught me there was a guy kind of mentoring me there who runs who's done work with the ivy again a really kind of famous restaurant in the uk and other places and he really taught me that a recipe a, a menu doesn't have to have a title so a plate of food doesn't have to have a title it can just be an assemble of ingredients mm. so for instance because we didn't always have food we kind of had to make things up as we went and i had to create these menus every day for the restaurant and the hotel guests so for example a salad instead of being uh, say beforehand I would have thought god what kind of salad can I, I cook I'll make a salad nichoise or I'll make a Caesar salad and it always had to have a title and then after that it was more like well I've got uh, salad leaves I've got beetroot I've got goat's cheese I've got walnut and I can make a dressing so suddenly you have a salad and it doesn't have to have a title mm-hmm. and I literally on the menu would just put a comma so it would say salad leaves comma beetroot comma walnut comma goat's cheese comma and balsamic dressing and that was allowed to be food and I was like this is revolutionary it's like a um, it is an aha so and that's very much one of the things I teach my clients now because often it's the fear factor that they have of the inspiration the groundhog day of like oh I want to make a fish pie I don't have all the ingredients it's like great what have you got they're like well I've got this and I've got that I'm like great let's put it together and you have a meal you can cook for your family mm. so um so that was Colin's say just really like I say learning learning on on my feet um and then we went back to do more ski seasons worked in different restaurants but all the time the best cooking I ever did was not the restaurant cooking it was when I was working more for private families or in the chalet and really talking to people 
and actually just cooking but finding out about them Mm. and asking them questions and being able to welcome them into the chalet and give them a cup of tea and they were always really anxious when they arrived and they had a stressful journey with all their family and I don't know there were avalanches and planes didn't take <laughs> off it was always they always arrived always really a story stressful like always imagine when you go on holiday and it's kind of the planning before taking your family on holiday is so stressful isn't it yeah and then you finally get there and you're like, I'm trying to be relaxed, but I'm really not relaxed at all. <laughs> it's going to take and me two weeks to I'm, unwind. <laughs> to rela- yeah, exactly. I want to be there. I want to be in that headspace. So that I was really observed that. And then within about three days, people always relaxed. Mm. And so when I came back, when we, when we stopped running, we had a chalet business over there in the end. And when I stopped running that business and we came back to the UK with our, with our eldest son when he was seven months old, I kind of, I knew I wanted to get back into food, but I I didn't want to miss that people element. It was the people kind of what drives people. I find people fascinating. I find the whole way that they can be really stressed and that they can feel better, that whole mind reset. I find it fascinating. And I was working in travel sales when I first came back and we, we had a small family. And one of the things we started doing in travel sales was working with something called insights, which was all about clarity and what was all about personality profiling. Mm -hmm. And I was suddenly so intrigued by this because we'd met so many people through the years. And I just observed often we were doing in the chalet, we were doing lots of corporate guests. So I was also observing people kind of really at the top of their game and their different personalities and how they relaxed. And I think I was just being really nosy all the time, just (laughs) pretending I was cooking. I had an open plan kitchen. So pretending I was cooking, Mm. but actually kind of how are these people interacting? What are they doing? Why is he on his laptop? Why is he looking out the window? What, What is going on the whole time? Just observing. Um, and then when we did this color profiling, I was like, my goodness, the world now makes sense. Yeah. And at the time I'd started building Dizzle Sky and it was around uh, the message of healthy eating. And there's a huge obesity crisis in the UK. Uh, I think it's pretty global. I'm mm. sure it's in Australia as well, but I know that you are, you're quite leading in getting on top of your game over there with it, but it is a, it's a, it's a problem. And at the moment it's not getting better. It's getting worse. So I really started researching this and, uh, and how, you know, why I kept on asking the question, why, why is this happening? Why are we still eating processed food so much? Mm. What is the barrier and I went to this amazing conference at City Hall in London where Hugh Fernley Whittingstall, an English chef, was there. And there were loads of MPs there. And there was like head of agriculture for kind of England, Wales, uh, Scotland and Ireland. And it was really big, guys. I totally blagged my way in. I was sitting there. There was this amazing panels all day of speakers. And I was thinking, these guys are going to have the answers so yeah. that I can then help people. And at the end of the day, it was called Veg Power and it was run by the, um, the think tank Food Foundation. And they do do amazing work. But at the end of the day, they didn't have the answers. And I was like, if these guys don't have the answers, then what is the answer? Mm. And I kind of thought there's so much education. We know so much about fresh food. We there are so many recipes around the world and have been for generations like what what's going on why are we all 
why are we not eating as well as we should? And mm. I kind of got down to the fact that actually it's about people. It's not about the education about what we should eat. It's not about the cooking reality TV programs that are just all over the place that I can't, I can't face watching because it makes me really nervous. <laughs> and also I hate the whole judgment thing. Um, and it's not about, I don't know, we enjoy food. It's, you know, it's in the media all the time. Um, it's very confusing in the media at least it is in the UK what you should eat what you shouldn't eat what diets you can go on what you should you know it changes all the time so what Mm. what is the fundamental problem and at the end of the day I got down to the fact that it's people we are all people and so it must be some kind of habit behavior that is not allowing us to as well as our busy lifestyles to eat as well as we can or to not Mm. to go for that cooking from fresh option rather than just grabbing the convenience over processed or or processed food that's a big thing isn't and it I think the convenience factor I know yeah. I'm guilty of it sometimes it's like oh just stick a couple yeah. of pies in the microwave meal done you know meal done and so it's got down to two things I think we want from food um and this is I'd say quite this is pretty general but I'd say as humans two things we want from food we want it to be tasty yeah and we want it to be effortless. Yeah. That's fair, two things. Very fair. Yeah. Fair, fair thing. And that's actually two parts of our kind of four laws of behavior change as well, is you want it to be satisfying, which is the tasty bit. And then you also want it to be easy because that's the effortless bit. So we're kind of, if you can tick two of those boxes, it's going to help people drive their want to change. Mm-hmm. And so the coaching aspect, kind of going the whole way around, the coaching aspect is really helping people find it effortless. Um, and I've since done a diploma in professional coaching and mentoring and also now a Clarity 4D facilitator. So kind of working on people's personality types, which I've translated into cooking types to basically work with people's strengths in the kitchen because there are there are so many different styles Mm. that people come to the kitchen with and you've kind of you know you've got your um well when you read a recipe you're processing and gathering and processing information you have your kitchen setup you have your time constraints you have your individual family setups you have your your dietary requirements um as we both know you have your sports fixtures in the evening that the kids have to get to, yet we still have to feed our families. Yes. And so it's making it as effortless as possible. And that is, in a nutshell, what I do for people I, now. I think it's just fabulous. And it, even when you were talking, when you were talking about people's different cooking styles, it just made me just chuckle away to myself because I think me and my husband are so different so different like when I cook it's like a bomb has gone off like (laughs) everything is everywhere a recipe I'd have recipes out but I use them as a guide I'm like yeah I'm not feeling that I'll put that in or I don't have any of that I'll put that in and you're very very intuitive very like I just Mm -hmm. you know go with the flow sort of thing and it's a mess whereas Terry when he cooks (laughs) everything is organized everything is you know exactly if there's a recipe not an ingredient not there he's like we don't have any soy Mm -hmm. sauce like what are we going to use instead you know I mean 
I'm exaggerating. If he listens to this, I'm probably exaggerating, but that's how it appears to me. And and, yes. and, he's, and it's spotless. Yeah, he washes up as he goes. Mm-hmm. And he's like, mm-hmm. how hard is it just to wash a bowl or put it in the dishwasher as you go? And I'm like, I'm too busy being creative for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Hilarious, Absolutely. isn't it? And all these different, yeah. um, different styles. And yeah, you must see it amplified even more so. Well, I think that you've completely hit the nail on the head that, yeah, exactly. Those two contrasting types and in the kitchen. And if you were being really intuitive and you were like, you don't need soy sauce. And he's like, I need soy sauce. (laughs) And he's like, Claire, can't you just wash up? He's like, I don't need to wash up. And then, you know, so, so there's an element of when, when especially couples come to the kitchen together, like that contrasting and just raising awareness of it. And also how you can then go, you know, going back to the colors that we understand how you can dial up and down on kind of behavior and so you're like okay maybe for this baking recipe I can't be that intuitive because when I do the cakes just go flop and taste gross well that's because baking is more of a science so therefore we do have to be more like rigid and the same with your husband can just learn that actually it doesn't matter about soy sauce we can add different ingredients instead and and that's okay Mm. you know so it's just and just giving people that information then makes them feel more confident that they act why how they act like they do because of a reason rather than always trying to be someone else mm. Mm. and, and I know cooking some... is fascinating sorry go ahead no, no, no. all good <laughs> all, all I was going to say was I was going to pick up on something else that you said um before you you kind of hinted on it and then sort of moved on about the allergies when um, people yeah. have allergies in their households, you know, I think we, we're both gluten-free and um, in our households, we've got, so we've got gluten-free, we've got lactose-free. Previously, we were nut-free as well, but thankfully our youngest son outgrew that. Um, we've got very, very sensitive, a very, very sensitive child to um colors and preservatives and even natural, um, mm-hmm. natural things in foods. There's things like corn, certain cocos, mm-hmm. um, you know, apples, grapes, like there's, mm, there's wow. some really interest or well, interesting, some really challenging allergies yeah. that people have to deal oh, with, yeah. isn't there? And, and yeah. that adds a whole other element to it, doesn't it? And you help people with that yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're so right because it, it's it's really hard. You know, I came at this as a professional chef uh, to this whole motherhood thing, thinking, oh, my children will eat lamb and lentils and they're just going to be so brilliant and so helpful. And oh, I can't wait. And actually, while they were still weaning and I could kind of throw spoons at them, they were great. And I was like, totally nailed this. And then (laughs) as they got older and they started going to nursery and they just became a toddler and they kind of had a, a mind and, and could suddenly speak for themselves and go now uh, I don't eat this or whatever and then my youngest two actually got cow's um cow's milk protein allergies as well and then you're like oh this is really quite challenging and you know working full-time as a mum for someone else at that time and kind of getting home at six o'clock and having to produce these meals that I really wanted everyone to eat quite well as well with that you know obviously we'd go for the convenience food every now and again but I wanted on whole our diets to be fueling us with the good stuff um it suddenly got really tricky and I think it is really tricky it's hands down it's it's tricky Mm. And it's something we have to do as parents for our children 
Well, we have to have thought about, anyway, three meals a day and snacks. And then also, it's not only just that time, that's the cooking time. You've also got to vaguely plan it, even if it's just in your head when you wake up in the morning, what am I going to cook at four o'clock? Because otherwise it gets to four o'clock and you're like, I don't know what to cook. And then it's also the shopping. And then you've got to make it taste nice. And then you've got to wash up. So it's like, we think of cooking as as just a quick thing. But actually, if we go back to, this is a bit I love, but if we go back to kind of our primal selves, you know, cooking and working, feeding our families, gathering, that was one of the main elements. That's one of kind of Maslow's basic human needs is feeding ourselves. And Mm. Here in this day and age, it's just got to be such a quick fix. It's like quick. It's part of kind of running out the door and going to school. It's just quick. Um, But actually, is that whole community element of sitting down at the table. It's yeah, it's a big thing. It is a big thing. It's funny how you say sit down at the table. We um, we we don't have family meals every single night of the week in as much as we all sit down. And it seems to be it's just evolved into certain meals will sit together and certain other things that we we cook, we just sit apart. You know, the boys boys sit in their lounge room, watch what they're watching on TV. Terry and I will watch what we're watching on TV. And tonight we just had, it was super basic. We just had sausages, mashed potato and a heap of veggies and that's normally a tv dinner and I was like no let's all sit together and both boys were like but but this is this is a sitting in our lounge room dinner I'm like, no we're all gonna sit together tonight <laughs> how did it go they were they were it was okay actually it wasn't wasn't too bad <laughs> changing up the behaviors yeah they oh, I like know that, I know I'm like I'm gonna be talking all things cooking and and you know wholesome families like we're all gonna sit together tonight <laughs> <laughs> but you know what it doesn't always work and and you know that's half of the pressures and I definitely I do it myself you know I'm like this is what I teach therefore we all need to sit down and have a beautiful family meal and all the chat's going to be incredible it doesn't happen because we're bringing five different individuals to the table at the end of the day everyone's had their own stresses yeah. and it doesn't always happen and also to know that that's okay and that's normal too and yeah it's just quite multifaceted, facet, facet, dimensional. It's quite multidimensional, isn't it? Absolutely. And I don't think we necessarily think of cooking and feeding the family like that, but it is. There's lots of moving parts to it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'm really curious because your your kids now must be back at school after um, yes, the COVID hit the UK big time worse than it hit Australia that's terrible grammar but it hit the UK a lot worse than it hit Australia and we had our boys home for I think it was only like half a term if that it was a few weeks really because we had the Easter holidays in in the mix as well and it was kind of it was long enough but it wasn't so long you know that we still sort of had that honeymoon period I wasn't quite over it you guys on the other hand had it very different though didn't you (laughs) (laughs) yeah we did we did and it was I think we obviously had the first lockdown which was last March um and that was it was hot and sunny here this time last year and uh and so I think it was okay it was all a bit it was terrifying but it was novel and it was a first time round. whereas I think lots of people in the UK really struggled this time we came right uh we went through the East the December holidays the Christmas holidays and then it was announced 
the day that people had gone back to school or or we were actually going to go back the next day that schools were shut mm. and they weren't really going to open for the foreseeable futures so we'd already had two or three weeks off with the kids over Christmas which was great and then we knew what to expect this time around and although lots of the teaching had moved online I think it was it was the definite the loneliness of parents that people lots of people I've spoken to said it was the loneliness this time we were going through it in the depths of winter Mm. so it was dark by four o'clock it was freezing cold you couldn't meet anyone you couldn't even meet anyone outside at one point and if you did well you just had to go outside with your kids in the rain and it was always raining and windy and cold Um, and you couldn't there's no let up obviously when all the restaurants and the cafes and everything are shut Mm. so from a food perspective I'll come from this um there was no let up so it was relentless it was you and your family and providing all the time and then there was also adverts on the radio and the government guidelines of don't go shopping you know try and go shopping on your own which is totally fair enough but actually quite hard when you both work you're homeschooling I've my kids are four five and eight or they were three five and eight and you know, I try not to take them to the supermarket all the time because it's a nightmare. But <laughs> it's quite it's also quite convenient to kind of separate them and be like, OK, who wants to come to the shops with me? And one of them will always think it's a real treat. So there was just no separation. There was, you know, for me, all five of us all the time together. And I think it was it was hardcore for parents because, yeah, it was just a constant food constant and the the constant they were all at home for three months and then we had it they went back for three weeks and then we had the Easter holidays but the three however long it was at home when we were doing homeschooling just what what can I have for snack what's for snack what's for lunch what's for snack what's for afternoon snack what's for dinner what's for breakfast and and so in between kind of doing these online lessons um and making sure that you were up to date with Google Classroom and printing off all the information and making sure they were actually sitting at their desk. You know, you'd have kind of half an hour to produce this lunch of from this food that you really couldn't get to the shops and go shop. <laughs> and there was online shopping, but that was really reserved for people who couldn't get to the shops. So yeah, it was quite, it was, it was hardcore. And that's just from a food perspective. But it was, uh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't very fun. I'm glad I- we're through it. Oh, I just, I can't, I can't imagine like hearing you describe that sounds like a full-time job in itself, let alone then Mm. to be trying to keep a business ticking over at the same time that just, yeah, have just been pulling your hair out at times. Yeah, I was, but you know what? I felt I was one of the lucky ones because it was my own business. And so I didn't have anyone else's agenda to work to. Whereas there are plenty of people who were, you know, really trying to put down their full-time job and homeschool and do all that food element as well. So actually Mm. I kind of counted myself quite lucky that I had the flexibility and I just, I just pulled back on the business and I just did my skeleton work. Actually, it was interesting. I launched my new website on the 20 on Christmas Eve, 24th of December, like talk about a deadline so I managed to do that and I was gonna go back in in January and I had so much to do and I couldn't wait to kind of I'd, I'd got it launched but there were still loads I wanted to add to it yeah and then lockdown happened and it was last week when I found 20 videos that I'd recorded <laughs> that I'd just forgotten about and I all this content that I'd spent hours recording back in like October November 
had just been put on hold and then forgotten about. So when I went to the website and I was like, oh, that page is really empty. Why is the page so empty? <laughs> it was like this little door that opened in my brain that went, what happened to all that content? And then I found it. And then I found all these plans for all this other stuff that I want to do. And it was, it was like a it was like a door had to get shut in my brain and just went, you know what, just hold back on all of that focus on the kids you just gotta you just gotta do that just yeah just Almost hold like off what you're doing mode. yeah 100 percent. yeah and I, I think I think I, I certainly look at it in as much as uh, as I say you guys had it a lot worse than we did here but it it does it has taught us that we can get through challenging times hasn't it, it has taught us yeah. that all those things that we have on our to-do list to do and we've got all this stress and this anxiety and this pressure on our shoulders to get them done actually might not be that important and it kind of gave us permission to sort of just let go of a lot of stuff didn't it and focus on what was really important yeah I definitely say that and and it and it had its you know it had its definite cons it was pretty horrendous but at the same time I maybe feel I don't know if I feel less stressed now there's my to-do list has got much longer um I feel pulled in maybe more directions because there's you know people I don't know yeah you're totally right Uh, during lockdown you can kind of shake away all the stuff that's not vital and not important and I think it's easier to prioritize Mm. whereas suddenly we're back much more with things starting to open up and the priority list you know I, I do struggle with prioritizing things because I'm like oh I need to do that I need to do that I need to do that I need to do that. <laughs> and then overwhelm comes quite quickly and I think what's interesting is talking to people this year I think we're all hitting I, 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 I'm gonna say all people I have spoken to so they're generally working mums are hitting that overwhelm uh level quite quickly mm. and I think it's maybe to do with we've all got this subconscious build up of anxiety and fear and just not niceness it's been building over a year so instead of just kind of recharging our batteries and we've got loads of credit we're all slightly in debit Mm. and so as soon as extra pressures are putting on it's like oh peak anxiety peak overwhelm peak fear whereas I don't know about you but I definitely don't normally hit these levels as quickly so I think it will take us longer than we think to kind of just get all that out yeah I think that's I think that's absolutely true and I am noticing the same over here too and it's it's conversations that I've been having with a lot of clients recently as well like there is whether we whether we can sort of actively say you know yes I'm really um, anxious about this situation I'm feeling really um, overwhelmed or whatever whether we can whether we consciously say that we've got conscious awareness of the impact mm. everything is having on us or not it is irrelevant it is having an impact on us isn't it and and there's yes. all this stuff going on in the world especially over here issues with china what's going to happen to australia mm. and all this sort of thing and we're absorbing all this uncertainty and all this unknown and i talk a lot about creating our own certainty to sort of bring our scale back into balance i kind of talk about it mm. as a as a scale and at the moment sort of globally humanity is under mm. so much uncertainty and so it's really important that we we bring our sort of certainty scale back up and it's funny you you talked about um planning what you're going to cook for dinner because that's one of the little things that i do that we do in our household to bring a bit of certainty mm. back in and we meal plan mm. our entire week at the start of the week so we don't have that extra layer you said that extra thing at the end of the day to go oh my god now what am i going to cook for dinner <laughs> 
to yeah. have that extra Absolutely. element into as well. <laughs> and you're so right. It's kind of just those tiny little things of what can you control, what can't you control. Well, if we can control what we not control, I don't mean it like that, but we can think, we can have pre-thought about what we're eating. Like you say, it's just one less thing to have to spiral at the end of the day when everyone's hangry. Um, And it is just it's just one of those little things that you can kind of raise awareness of, however you want to put it. It's just pre-thought and that helps. It just helps. Absolutely. So what are some of the things that you do? What are some of your non-negotiable things that you put into your day to help you manage Three kids, a partner, business, <laughs> life. <laughs> life. So there's two things because I can never come up with one thing. There, but there are two things. So the first is morning exercises. So this mm. is something I started about three years ago. And I love not necessarily sport, but I love being outdoors and I love doing stuff and working my body, whether it's going for a walk or a run or whatever. And I did find that the more kids I had, the less freedom I had to be able to just go, I'm good, just going off to the gym. And, and it really impacted on how I felt. And so I started just doing some exercises and pre doing this, I would have thought, what? Doing exercises at 20 past six in the morning? Uh, no way. <laughs> but actually, I think it just started with trying to do kind of two press ups. That was it. And then it grew into a bit more of a routine. It's a bit yoga-ish. It's a bit Pilates-ish. And it's just a bit of stretching and strengthening. And I also struggled a lot in pregnancy with my sciatic. And I still do if I'm in the garden for too long or if I'm in the kitchen for too long, I still struggle with it. So I know for me that my core is really important and that that will give me more longevity. So it's it's really important. Um, So I started this little routine and it still only goes for about seven minutes every morning. But I do it at a time. The reason I do it then is because I've just got out the shower. I'm in my underwear. I haven't even got, I don't get changed. So it kind of takes away one friction element of if I was to do it later at night, I'd be like, oh, well then I have to get my yoga mat out and then I have to do this. And I just constantly putting up barriers. So I've kind of created this non-negotiable habit of mine um, where I just do it in the morning before I get dressed. And even on the weekend, if we have happened um, in a past life to have been out for a boozy night or something, (laughs) Even if I've got a hangover, I'm like, do your exercises because it's somehow as well. I feel like it awakens my gut to doing core exercises and it kind of gets me ready for the day. And if I don't do it, I just feel quite sluggish. So for me, it really helps my mind and body kind of connect and be like, right, we're not just a mind going crazy. There's a body there as well. So let's all wake up together. And it's just really quick and it's really easy. And I just noticed or like with within myself I've just it's been the biggest change I've had having done sport all my life and being like I have to lose weight I have to do this I have to do that I just don't worry about it anymore because I'm like well I I do my exercises and they help a bit and if I get to go for a run then that's great but it's just now not something I have to worry about yeah yeah it's just done Uh, I cannot I cannot like the whole way through like we're not 
publishing the video, but the whole way through, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I'm exactly, exactly the same. I'm a, um, I'm a home workout like junkie. And um, I, if it's just on my Insta, I post videos all the time or post pictures all the time, mad fit is the YouTube channel. And um, it's this girl, like young girl in um, America somewhere. And um, she she does these home workouts. And the reason I found her, and it made me chuckle when you said you do it in your underwear, because the reason that I found her was because I was YouTubing um, pajama workouts. Because I don't like, I put the barriers up too. I'm like, oh, I've got to get in my, I've got to find my sports bra. I've got to find my shoes. I've got to find my shoes. You know, like when I've got to get changed, I don't do it so all yes. of these workouts I'm in my pjs not you know bare feet on my yoga mat and then I'll go have a shower afterwards and then I do the whole school lunches breakfast that kind of thing but yeah exactly yeah. the same it's not full-on hardcore sometimes like she does a lot of um, song workouts so some of them are only two or three minutes long and sometimes that's all I'll do but it's enough yeah just to kickstart me. So hundred percent agree. Yeah, Yeah. totally. That's amazing. I love it. And it is, it's just those barriers. Otherwise you put up and then you find out you don't do it. And then it's another thing on your to-do list that you have to do. And then you don't do it. So then you feel like you're failing and then you feel guilty. And it's so, you know, our brains are funny things, but all the emotions then attach. Whereas if you're like, I'm just going to get up and do it. Yeah. Then you just do it. Yeah. Yeah. So my other non-negotiables are, is, it's funny when you first asked me this I was like oh it's a cup of tea in the morning but then it's not just a cup of tea in the morning it's actually turned into a bigger I realized it's a hot drink at certain aspects of the day and it always has to be when I'm on my own mm. so I now get up early like at 5 30 which again I would never would have done just to have a cup of tea in bed in peace and quiet and now it's summertime in the UK you can hear the birds and it's light so it's definitely harder in winter to do this because there's nothing to look at so I open the blinds I have a cup of tea in bed and no one can talk to me and I can just be and that is just amazing because otherwise I'd find I'd be doing breakfast all I want is my cup of tea and everyone's like can I have scrambled egg can I have poached egg can I have fruit can I have this can I have another piece of toast can I have this and I realize we're about to leave the house and I haven't had my cup of tea yet or my cup of tea has gone cold, which I hate. So if I have it in bed at 5.30 before anyone else has woken up, I'm like, oh, there we go. And then I've also created a funny one. So my coffee that I used to come back to after the school run, I'd have it. But then by the time I'd made it, I kind of feel like it's 9.30 instead of nine o'clock and I'd already wasted half an hour. So now I take a flask with me on the way to school and I have it on the way back. So it's a hot coffee and I don't listen to the radio. I might listen to a podcast and I just drink it as I drive. Yeah. And then the final one is, a, I don't, do you have pucker over in Australia? Pucker cheese? No. Oh, maybe. No, you have pucker pies. I know uh, that, yeah. But no, this is pucker. <laughs> I, I, rec- I recognize it. I don't know if I recognize it okay. from the UK or whether it's I recognize it because they've got it here. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So it's a really nice kind of brand of herbal teas. It's really nice. And so I'll have a nighttime pucker before going to sleep every every night and again do the same as I do in the morning just don't read my book or anything just sit there often falling asleep while I'm drinking it but just have that kind of 10 minutes just whether I reflect on the day sometimes I do sometimes I just let my brain wander but it's a real non-negotiable and it sounds awful sounds very middle-aged but I'd much rather that than a glass of wine these days (laughs) 
could well no I lie Friday and Saturday nights I definitely want a glass of wine but I just it's create it's just such a routine and part of my part of my structure now that it's it's a non-negotiable I would not go to bed without it Mm. it's definitely a comfort thing it's it's funny isn't it and I I I liken this to what we were talking about before it's comfort security control it's yeah. it's, it's a different yeah. word for the same thing isn't it it's it's yeah. those little things that we have got control of that bring us stability yeah. that sort of help ground us and then that helps us ride those ups and downs of yeah. life and motherhood and business doesn't yeah. it yeah definitely and I'd say mainly you know with the children luckily they're too young and they'll never listen to this I hope sorry guys but you know you cannot control these beasts they are children and they create chaos mind you anyway and they're wild and they have fun and they're spirited but there's no control and I've realized that more and more as I kind of get older as a mum with them and they get older there's no control they have their own brains and they're doing what they do and they're on their own mission mm-hmm. and yeah it's definitely within the chaos it creates it's my little kind of safety net of, and then the chaos can kind of happen <laughs> no it you're can better it able to deal with it <laughs> yeah 100 <laughs> percent what is it what is it that that is keeps you going through all that chaos what's your big drive yeah. so my big kind of drive my my and where I re group and where I get my energy from is definitely nature so I love walking in nature I did a stint in London for nine months and I was like cannot do that so we've lived in the mountains as I said for 12 years and now we're based down in Devon in South Devon um, on the coast at the bottom of England Mm. and we're 10 minutes away from the beach and there's cliff walks and there's forest walks and it's there's a uh, the Dartmoor which is kind of beautiful hills so just getting out into nature and that is really I need it and it's really fat you know I find it fascinating why do I need it well I need it because it's it can be peaceful and calm and you can just kind of walk and it really clears the chatter from my head. There's a lot of internal chatter that goes on. Um, and so it clears that. And I love it on a really windy day when the wind is so noisy and blustery that I can't hear what's in my mind and the wind takes over. But then I also love it on a night when the sun is beautiful and the moon's coming up and you're just like in total awe. And you kind of feel like there's a much bigger universe out there and that your tiny little crazy brain isn't isn't actually that important. And let's look at the big picture. (laughs) We are insignificant. And that is really, really nice to to kind of know. I like that. It is. Some people might find that terrifying, but I love it. It's it's quite a profound thing, isn't it? But we we are like our being is is so insignificant in the grand scheme of things and I think that could be a whole other podcast conversation (laughs) itself yeah (laughs) yeah but it really helps you kind of you know I'll go out for a walk and I'm like I think I need a walk my husband just goes why don't you go for a walk and I'm like yes okay you sure is that okay like I feel guilty blah blah he's like go so I'm like okay go so I take the dog and I go for a walk and I come back and I'm like ah everything's fine now hi everyone you know hi I'm a much nicer person who can I read a story to and it just it just helps yeah it helps oh I I love it I'm, I'm laughing so much of the stories you're telling because I'm like oh my god I hear you <laughs> now if, if people want to find out more about um what you do how can they find you 
Yes, they can head over to my website, which is dizzlesky, D-I-Z-Z-L-E-S-K-Y.co.uk. And there's loads of information there. There's lots of videos you can watch and you can just find out more about what I do. Or if I'm busy on Instagram as well, which is dizzlesky, same same way, D-I-Z-Z-L-E-S-K-Y, kitchen coach. And they can head over there and follow me. Fabulous. I'll put the links in the show notes too to make it super simple for everyone to find you. you. It has been such a fun conversation. I knew it was. I was looking forward to this one so much. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to throw five more quick fire questions at you if I may. I'm putting you on the spot here. I know this, but are you up for it? I'm up for it. Always game. Born ready. (laughs) Love it. Well, we've heard a bit about your routine. I'm not sure if there's time for reading, but maybe there is. What What are you reading at the moment? So I'm actually reading a book called Us by David Nichols. So it's fiction. And I don't like reading fiction, which is really another struggle that I'm having because I love it in order to just relax. But actually, the more and more I've been researching over the past few years, and then I've just done my uh, diploma in professional coaching and mentoring, I just love researching and knowledge so actually I cannot wait to finish this book it's like okay but I find it a bit of a waste of time and I've got another book on my reading list called Chatter um, which is about the chatter in your brain and it's written by a director of psychology in the US called Ethan someone Mm -hmm. and uh, it's all about giving you practical tips on how to help how to listen to the chatter when it's good and how to help uh, quieten the chatter when it's not so helpful so looking forward to reading that that could be that I think I've got about five audible credits because I'm not doing as much driving as I used to so all my audible credits are stacking up so but I might look for that one yeah Yeah, have a look for that one (laughs) yeah what about a song what's a favorite song of all time and why so favorite song of all time this question really terrifies me but uh, I think the one that comes to mind is This Is Me from Greater Showman. I think mm. it's just about being unique. It's just about doing your thing. Every time you hear it, I definitely turn up the radio and sing along very badly. Um, but yeah, just I think it's such an important thing to just acknowledge that whoever you are, it's fa- fantastic. And it's just a real anthem, isn't it? To just oh, say, this yes. is me. Yeah. One of the um, um, courses that I went on as part of my coaching program that I did, um, my training, we, we, they, gave, they handed out the lyrics to that song and it was everyone had to stand up in a circle. They pumped it really loud. And it was, it was one of those like, wow, it get rid of your inhibitions. If you're not normally someone who'd sing in public, if you're not you know, anything like that, just forget about it. Close your eyes. Imagine you're in a room by yourself and just sing the song. And um, it was like, I've got goosebumps now even thinking about yeah, it. It's like, same. I hate, like, I'll happily, like, sing in the house, sing in the car, annoy the kids with my singing. But to <laughs> sing, even, like, when we used to go to church as a kid and in assembly at school, like, I just never do that. But I'm like, oh, whatever, do it anyway. Yeah, I love, yes. And was I it amazing? Totally feel the power of that song. Yeah. Really, that's yeah. so brilliant. Very I love cool. that. <laughs> what about let's change things up a bit what about a quote that's changed your life I have two quotes that have changed my life and one of them is from an amazing book that I have read quite recently by James Clear which is Atomic Habits I don't know if you've read it it's amazing so his quote right on the front which says tiny changes remarkable results to Mm. me that is the big one Um, and it's something I teach a lot with kitchen coaching and it's also 
something I live my life by, like those tiny little exercises I do, seven minutes, but actually they've had the most remarkable results. So for me, that's a real biggie. Don't go for those big, big goals. Just break it down into tiny micro habits and you'll see change. And then the other one is a bit like, this is me, it's Be Yourself, Everyone Else is Taken by Oscar Wilde. When I read that a few years ago, I was like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Just be yourself. Yeah, let's do this. Let's be a kitchen coach. Let's do this. And I really, you know, for my children, I really want them to know that, that just be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Go for it. That's awesome. Love it, love it, love it. What about, now we're going practical, what about a um, some tech or an app or software that's changed how you do business? Yes, so I use Trello. I don't know if you have Trello over there. Yep. yep. So I use Trello for kind of my get stuff down. I, I'm a real paper person as well. I make paper lists of to-do lists. But when it can't, comes to like recipe writing, everything goes up on Trello. So I, um, I launch these recipes every month for the kitchen club. And as I'm in the kitchen, I can put everything up on Trello. I can put the photo up. It's so instant. It saves it. And then I can copy it onto my website later from the desktop. And it's also just a great place of storing just so many things so many things and it feels like I'm getting stuff done so I love Trello there have been lots of votes for Trello when I've asked that question interesting yeah oh good (laughs) good leave us finally you've left us with so much um insight and laughter but leave us with a life hack (laughs) (laughs) this could be a funny one too (laughs) so my life hack uh I just love it it's called a crumple zone and someone said but that sounds like a car crash but it's totally (laughs) not a car crash it gets rid of the car crash so a crumple zone is something I create one at the at the start of my day and at the end if I can of my working day so beforehand I used to kind of come back from the school run at nine o'clock think okay I've got to hang the washing I've got to make dinner prep it for later I've got to do the shopping I've got to do my work I've got to do my emails I've got to do everything and instantly I just felt quite all over the place um and so with a crumple zone I try and have one between nine and ten in the morning doesn't always happen then Mm -hmm. but basically anything can happen so if a phone friends I've got I've got a friend phones I've got some in uh, Australia and New Zealand if they phone at that time in the morning that's okay because it's part of the crumple zone if I have to hang a wash outside that's okay because it's part of the crumple zone if I have to go to the shops or I have to I don't know do some kind of life admin house admin like we're painting our living room at the moment if I have to order paint that's okay because it's in the crumple zone so anything can happen in this one zone and then for the rest of the day, I really just crack on with my work until oh, three o'clock when I try and do one then as well. But that often gets eaten up. <laughs> but yeah, the crumple zone just allows for for a bit of my own chaos, I guess, or just yeah. allows me to get on with other stuff. And I know it's not for everyone because when I was working with for someone else, um, obviously you can't just say excuse me my day starts at 10 because nine o'clock is my <laughs> I'm zone. in a crumple zone right now <laughs> I'm gonna go, yeah, don't go near me you can't crumple my zone <laughs> but what it did mean is I would try not to schedule meetings until 10 o'clock so it give me time to do the school run to potentially if I got stuck behind the tractor be a minute late for work although I try not to to make myself a cup of coffee to sit down to answer emails 
and then meetings and stuff would start. Whereas if everything was pressurized for nine o'clock start, then you're on the back foot. So that's my life hack is a comfortable zone. That is fantastic. I love that one. Thank you so much. (laughs) You're so welcome. It has been so much fun. I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. And as we said, I'll put all the links to um, how people can find you in the show notes to this episode. So everybody listening can jump on and find out more about the Kitchen Coach and everything that you do. Oh, Claire, thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. It's flown by and yeah, it's just been a real pleasure. So thank you. Thank you. Now, I don't know about you, but I just love the energy and the passion that shines through Annabelle. Her story highlights the evolutionary journey we all go on as entrepreneurs and shows the importance of seeking out opportunities to help us grow into the person we need to be, even if we don't feel like we're ready just yet. Running a home-based business with three young kids is a challenge in itself, let alone being in lockdown thanks to a global pandemic. And rather than react negatively in a woe is me way, she decided to focus on being grateful for being her own boss and being able to choose to wind things back and be a mum first. The other thing that really stood out for me from this conversation is the importance of self-awareness. Annabelle recognizes the need to add structure to her day. She's learned how to limit her distractions and knows where she needs to stay organized and energized in her business. Something that I resonate personally with myself. Now, I met Annabelle through a global community of Clarity 4D practitioners, which is a behavioral profiling tool. Now, Annabelle mentioned that she uses it to determine our cooking type, which then helps her to structure her coaching um, in a way that's going to really meet the needs of the person that she is coaching to her client. And I use it in, in much the same way to determine what kind of business owner we are. You know, when we know what, what drives us, what limits us, how we operate, we can put strategies in place and make decisions to help us work or cook more effectively. And when we're more effective, everything is so much easier. So if you're curious to explore this a little more for yourself to discover your drivers or your limiters to moving your business forward, then send me a message on either Facebook or Instagram, or you can email me at claire at reignitepc.com.au and I'll fill you in on everything you need to know. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to this show on the podcast app that you're listening to it on right now and uh, find us on Facebook or Instagram to follow along on the conversation between each episode. Share, I would love as well for you to share this episode or share the idea of this podcast with someone in your network who you think needs to hear it. You know, I started this show to normalize the fact that we all go through shit. You know, we all have stuff that goes on and God don't I know that right now. You know, my life is a, is a, is a constant emotional roller coaster at the moment. We all have that stuff. It doesn't mean that we're, we're going to be any less successful or that we're any more capable of running a business. So please, if there are people in your network that you think need to hear this message, then share, share, share. <laughs> I am blown away by the growing number of listeners to this show. And um, it's now being listened to in five countries across the globe. And that is purely from people like you spreading the word. So I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. 
The real life business movement is set to grow in the coming months. And so if there's anything that you'd love to hear more of, see more of, learn about, be sure to let me know on social media, or as I said before, send me an email to claire at reignitepc.com.au and I will do my best to build it into what I'm brewing up inside. Alrighty then, that is all from me for now. I will be back in your ears really soon. And until then, bye-bye.